Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Noah Billingsley, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson and I am joined once again by Callum Williams. Cal, I see, are you enjoying some tea there? Is that what, is that what you got going on? No, no, I've got a cup of coffee, Steve, because it's we're very busy at Minnesota United right now, aren't we? And then I need all the help I can get to get me through the day. So it's funny, actually, you asked that. I've just switched over to an Arabic coffee. Okay. And it's like a slap in the face. Okay. Um, I'm used to... And, and I could be talking complete nonsense here, but to my knowledge, for the most part, in the United States, the coffee comes from South America, whether it's Colombia or uh, Guatemala or uh, Ecuador or what have you. Sure. In, in the United Kingdom, we usually tend to get the majority of our coffee from Africa and the Middle East. And the, the bean is obviously different mm-hmm. and taste is different because of that, obviously. And, and I think... Um, in the UK, I always found the coffee to be slightly um, slightly bitter compared to the sweeter taste of, of coffee in America. Um, so anyway, for some reason, I went and bought some Arabic coffee uh, the other day. And uh, just before I went up to Blaine this morning, and um, just now, I've just had a, a sip of coffee. And this Arabic coffee, which I can't remember the name of, but I'd recommend it because it's good, because it is like a slap in the face. And I feel very alert and awake. Nice. Yeah, um, there are some... There's an, I think it's an Ethiopian coffee that I really like called Gaioland, um, which uh, I used to be able to get when I was in college uh, at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. Uh, there was a place there that had it. And then I found that I think JNS, um, which is a coffee roaster in St. Paul, not all that far from Allianz Field, like down Snelling at Randolph uh, ish in that neighborhood is where JNS is. And they have, sometimes they have Gaioland. And I really like that. I like that dark like that sort of punch you in the face kind of thing. Also, um, I have been, I am now currently I'm drinking tea. I'm, I'm the American drinking tea. Uh, I have been turned on to this, uh, blend by Harney and sons. I don't know if you're familiar with Harney and sons tea. I don't know anything about tea, but this is a uh, hot cinnamon spice tea, which is a black tea. So it has some caffeine with orange and clove and it tastes basically like an atomic fireball. If you ever had one of those candies, like it's a very cinnamony, like, And it's, uh, it's, been, it's been my sort of afternoon go-to, like a little lower caffeine content than coffee, but uh, it also tastes like an atomic fireball, so it takes me right back to first grade. So. Oh, brilliant. Well, um, it sounds lovely, but um, you'll never find me drinking that type of tea, Steve. There's one type of tea in the world that is the best, and that is, I'm not even going to call it English breakfast tea because it's not, it's just tea. It's tea, that's it. Put a bit of milk in it, a little bit of sugar if you fancy a little treat for yourself, and you crack on, and it's great. All right, I'm gonna bring you. I'm gonna bring you some of this tea. I'm okay. just gonna bring a tea bag when we're all back in the same place, and we can we can try it out because I think it's quite good. I am not like a. I'm not like an herbal, uh, floral. You know, uh, occasionally I'll drink mint tea at night. You know, but like I'm not really into that. I'm not into weird flavors. But this is real. It's just like 
it's a really good robust tea and being that it's a black tea also i feel like gives it a little more a little more weight so um so for sure it's it's excellent um about whenever we can get back to the office yes tell me about uh blaine um, yeah, so uh, I've got training it's today. It's a suburb of Minneapolis. It's, uh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, do we always go into geographical details here? Or? And then, I mean, <laughs> tell me about training at the National Sports Center in Blaine, which is where the team was and has been and where you were today. Yeah, um, it was good, Steve. I actually put something out on Twitter because I thought it was um, an important point to make. Um, there's an edge to training now. And I, I'm not suggesting that there, there wasn't in the past, but there's an edge... Um, that I think the club um, hadn't reached yet in terms of of it being as competitive and as feisty as it had certainly seen today in training. Now, because of COVID protocols, we're not allowed up every day. We're getting getting closer to, to normality in that sense, but we're allowed up twice a week, and, and Wednesday and Friday seem to be, seem to be the main days. But um, there was such a competitive, um, feisty nature about training today um, and I think it's because of the quality that the roster has at the moment. And I think every single player understands that you have to, what I, I guess what you guys would say, you have to bring it in training. You, you have to be at 100% every single day um, because one bad training session could really put you out of consideration. And um, whilst we've, Minnesota have had good teams in the past, it's never been as good as it is right now. And certainly with the new acquisition, we, we know it's only going to get better as well. So I think everybody, just about everybody, um, gave a good account of themselves today. And it's just so obvious, more than ever, Steve, it's so obvious to me that there is real legitimate competition for starting 11 spots in this team. And you can just tell everybody. And not only that, Steve, we've got a group of players. Minnesota have a group of players that think all of them individually, they should be in that starting eleven. So that there's such a feisty nature to training at the moment. It, it's ever such an entertaining watch. They, they finished with um, an eleven v eleven scrimmage at the end, and it was such an entertaining watch. Um, so very much looking forward to heading back up to, to Blaine on on Friday uh, and getting a bit of an insight into into what the team may be. Because there's one person I wouldn't want to be right now, mate, and that's Adrian Heath because he's got an abundance of quality to choose from, and he's got to be the bad guy every weekend that leaves people out. And and these are people um, that may not be in the starting eleven, but they probably deserve to be in the starting eleven. But the actual fact of the matter is, is that there's other players that deserve to be there as well. And I don't think we've ever been in this situation before at Minnesota United. As I said before, Steve, no doubt we had we had a good team. Minnesota had a good team 2019-2020. Um, um, but I don't think that the club has been in this situation before where even those that are considered sort of um, senior minimum uh, players um, and, and are on the supplemental roster, even those guys are worthy of a place in the starting eleven. And they know it. And the other players around them know it as well. And as I said, I don't think this team's ever been in that situation before. So it's, um, from a competitive standpoint, it's awfully entertaining to watch training these days. And obviously that's a good thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it's a thing that Adrian has, has talked about forever, right? It, which is this idea that you need the depth to be pushing the sort of expected starting 11 all the time. And that if, if there's a fall off, you know, uh, that somebody else is ready to step up behind you. And if that person proves their spot, you're going to have to take it from them. Um, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to speak ill of my estranged 
uh, son, Francisco Calvo, um, but sort of as an example of this sort of like where we've come since the start of, of, of the team, um, you know, by most, so if you think back to 2017, Obviously, and Adrian said this too, like Ibsen was the most talented player probably on the team. Like just in terms of pure level of talent, he was dedicated and everything like that. Calvo was, uh, you know, without a DP, you know, prior to Darwin Quintero getting there, Calvo was sort of a high-end TAM player. So he was sort of like the, the young captain of the team. Um, I don't think he ever felt threatened that he was going to get dropped because who were you going to put in instead of Calvo like at, at center back or like left back when he moved there, there really wasn't an option. And so there was never really any threat despite, you know, Calvo has a bunch of stuff that he is, he's great at. Um, and he has shortcomings as well. We still see them sometimes for, the, for Chicago, you know, the, like his, his defense is not as, as consistent as you want it to be. I don't think he ever felt like, well, it's like, what are you going to do? Drop me? Like there's no, no one else who can go in there. That's just not the case now. I mean, there's, there's, there's some issues with like specific depth in certain areas because of injuries, you know, like, I don't think that uh, Yuga Raitala would be your first choice center back right now. Um, but we have somebody who you can put in there. Um, and it's, again, it's the thing that Adrian has long wanted. So while he's, it's a tough job, I think it's, it's what he wants, obviously, out of the team. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Um, and look, Yuka Raitala, again, trained with the first team today, um, as did the abundance of other centre-backs, you know? And um, mm-hmm. it's good to have somebody, somebody that's different as well, because, and Adrian said this, he briefly mentioned this, um, heading into the RSL game, and I completely agree with it. Yuka Raitala, because he's, he's had so much of the ball at feet over the course of, of his career, not just in Major League Soccer, but he played in, in Spain, in Germany, the Netherlands, Norway, Denmark. He's usually played at left-back. And um, over the last sort of 10 years, when there's been more emphasis on, on full-backs um, being involved in the final third, um, it, it's meant that he's had the ball at feet a lot more. So actually what Yuka Raitala offers Minnesota is he actually offers them a decent way of playing out of the back. And he's not one of you know these typical centre-backs that, that you would see um, that just sort of boots the ball away and clears the ball away and, and can only defend. He can actually play a bit of football as well and, and he can actually bring the ball out. And, and rather than you know clearing his lines, he'll probably go into the deeper dropping wheel trap and play it into his feet. Or he may very well play it into the overlapping left back or what have you, you know, or maybe he brings a ball forward himself and can play a ball down the line, down the channel, you know, and um, it, it's just different because um, Baki Dibassi is, is not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Brent Coleman is not like that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just different, you know, so it's good to have options um, in certain positions, but also different options as well. And, and Yuka Raitala certainly offers that. Yeah, Dibasi and 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 Kalman, you know, when when they offer uh, a, a physical presence that that Yuka right. doesn't doesn't provide in that same way, both on in terms of defending and attacking on set pieces, especially, and then just being in the box. I mean, um, nothing nothing in Minnesota United Soccer though is quite as thrilling as when uh, Boxy gets the ball and starts charging up the field. It's one of my favorite <laughs> favorite moments. It's always exciting because you never know what's going to happen. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Adrian Unu. Uh, the new uh, forward coming from from uh, League One. Uh, tell me, I did a good job. Okay, I did no, I'm, job. I'm not laughing at you. I'm I'm, so, I'm smiling and grinning. <laughs> you did a very good, very good job, thing, mate. Thank, uh, thank can you. you. Tell me where he came from. <laughs> what was that? Can you tell me where he came from? The team. Yes. W- um. Was it? Uh, I'm, I'm blanking. Was it Stade Rennais? It's uh, yes, but. 
you know, pronounce it properly. Hune. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be pretentious here. No, you've done a good job there, mate. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Unu. Unu, uh, give me your, your, you know, I think we've alluded to him before, but we didn't really want to talk. I mean, you know, everybody's known. Again, Adrian yeah, said this yeah. as well. It's been an open secret for months that 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 the team has been pursuing um, uh, Unu. So, uh, you know, we've, we've alluded to it before, but now we can really just talk about it because it's official and everything like that. Give me your little rundown on, you know, what he brings and how important uh, him coming into this team is going to be for the team this season. This is the high-pressing attacking player that, that Minnesota wanted. And, and he's been on the discovery list for a long time now and they've monitored him closely for, for upwards of several years. Um, I think as, as much of it is in, in world football, Steve, a lot of it is about timing. I think initially when the club made the inquiry, um, Unu's uh, head was turned because I think he's, he, like a lot of people, he's seen the, the growth of Major League Soccer and, and, and quite fancied coming here at a good age because I think there's been too many people that have come here in their 30s and they've said, they've said to me personally that they wish they would have come you know, in, their, in their prime. So that's exactly what Unu is, is, is in his prime. Um, he will start as a centre-forward for this team. And he will be the number one centre-forward in, in this team. Hence why I said several weeks ago, when, when the, the announcement of Ramon Avila coming in um, was, was made, um, I, I didn't think he was going to be the first choice. And I still stand by that. Um, so Unu is going to be high-pressing. He's going to be a pest. He's going to be somebody um, who I think um, will give a lot more space to the players behind him. Uh, you know, let's say, for example, again, Minnesota are consistently playing this 4-2-3-1. The three players behind him will have a lot more space than if you play uh, an, an Agudelo, if you play an Avila, if you play Robin Lourdes in the false nine um, because of this high press. Um, he can also play left-hand side. He can play on the right-hand side. He can, at a push, he can also play at the 10 as well. I, I don't think that's something we're ever going to see, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see him out wide in certain situations as well. Um, I wonder as well, Steve, and maybe this is something we can get into later on, if, if it, at some stage, if it forces Adrian Heath into a formation shift in terms of do we see for the first time on a consistent basis, do we see two centre-forwards starting for Minnesota United? So, Minnesota have that depth now, you know? So, I, I do wonder if that's something we see in, in certain scenarios. But, um, look, I saw somebody, when the announcement was made, um, somebody said that, that his goal-scoring record wasn't, wasn't eyebrow-raising, and I agree with that. But uh, Ren, he, he was mainly a wide player. And, and that's the main reason why he, he hasn't got an abundance of goals. I think it's something, was it 36 or something in, in seven seasons or 38 or something in, in Ligue 1? And the reason for that is, is because he was mainly playing as a wide player or a secondary striker, um, not as the main centre forward. So I think with him playing as, as, as the focal point of the attack, with Emmanuel Reynoso behind him, I think he's going to score a lot of goals here, Steve. I, I think this is the centre-forward that Minnesota have been looking for for a long time. Um, I think you, you're talking, you know, because essentially, to my knowledge, he's going to be in and around the club and available between two and three weeks. Obviously, he's got to get his visa. Mm -hmm. I think he's got to quarantine as well. So, um, I, I would say probably between two and a half, three weeks, he'll, he'll be ready and available to go. Um and I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a revelation. I think he's going to score a lot of goals here, Steve. So it's it's the signing that Minnesota have looked for for a long time. 
um, I think everybody's got every reason to be excited. Yeah, I, I had uh, someone on Twitter, Cal, ask me about like, is is this, um, you know, there's there's players coming up from uh, South America. Reynoso probably fits into this mold of coming to MLS circa 22, 23, 24, um, looking to improve their game, make a name for themselves over the next two to three years, and then make a move to uh, a bigger club on in Europe. And someone asked me if this was if this was the path that Unu was going to be on, that he was, you know, going to be brought in and then and then sold on later, which is certainly not impossible. But the age is really like 27 is really hitting that point of like, you're looking at spending your prime here, you're looking at spending, you know, two, three years, I believe it's three years with it with a, the team option at the end. Um, so that 27 to sort of 2930 range is like, no, this is, this is, I mean, obviously who knows what could happen? Who knows who decides that they need him uh, down the road, but this is less in terms of, this is less like Reynoso. This is, this is a little more like a guy coming in at 27 to play his, his prime here in Minnesota. Um, it seems like, so my first blush impression, I mean, and I've watched some highlights, I haven't done a ton of, of, of research onto Unu, into Unu yet, but um he strikes me as, as, as mo- I mean, having some of the same qualities as like Amaria say, like as an attacker, like not a, not a, a, you know, um, Avila is, is, you know, sort of a, a bigger number nine. You've got your fast number nines. He's got that kind of like a grab bag of stuff, as you're saying, right. He can play right wing. He can play left wing. He can do a little 10. He could, he's been playing as a secondary striker. Again, if you have two forwards up front, maybe he plays that secondary striker role again. Is, is, is that, is that fair, do you think, sort of in a little bit in that category? Yeah, I, the, the best way to compare him, Steve, would be imagine Ethan Finlay and Luis Amaria together as okay. one player. That, that would be the, the, the best comparison, I, I would think. Um, I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he is going to be... I don't think he's naturally as clinical as as a uh, as a forward like Amaria in front of goal, okay. but I, I still think, as I said, he's, he's going to score an abundance of goal. I, I I wonder, Steve, is this now sort of the situation where we do start to expect sort of fifteen to twenty goals a season from from this type of centre forward? You know, I, I wonder if we start thinking that is, is it fair to is it fair to judge in his first year when he arrives a little later? I, I don't know, but um, I, I would expect ten plus very very confidently. Um, moving into the rest of his season from from Unu for sure. Yeah, it's um the 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 two forward thing is also interesting to me, uh, given that um, at times the team has gone to the three five two in the past, uh, playing with with wing backs. And you think about some of the the players who could benefit from that. I mean, as you said, Yuka Raitala, um, great uh, player in terms of playing out of the back, maybe not as robust in terms of physicality. If you could pair him with two other more robust center backs, like if you had, you know, Boxy, Debasi, or whoever goes in which order, and then Yuka on the left, uh, you know, that gives you sort of a little bit of, of, of opportunity there. Hassani Dotson as a, in, a, in a sort of wing back role um, might be a good, is a possible good fit for him, I think, um, given that we've seen him do well at fullback and uh, do well sometimes in the, the, on the wing, if you can sort of combine those things. So there's sort of some, there's some interesting possibilities there. And if you, we, the thing is that with the three, five, two, the team has never really had two forwards who could really do the job. So if this gives you that option, then it, it opens up in addition to sort of the four, the four, three, three as a change, it opens up that three, five, two as an option as well, I think. Yeah. I wonder if there are some scenarios 
at Allianz Field where Adrian may feel it, it better to play two centre forwards. You know, now, now it would it would abandon his his comfort in playing a four two three one and a four three three um with with the one forward at the points. Um but yeah I wonder Steve I, I really do because and again like I sort of insinuated earlier on it's it sort of for the first time Minnesota been able to do stuff like this you know that they've not really been able to, to have the opportunity to, to do this for a while so um again it, it opens up possibilities it's exciting um let's no let, let's make no mistake about it this is the strongest team that Minnesota have ever had and again let's not insult people's intelligence as well Steve it's obvious that there's there's activity. They're trying to get more people in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think if they pull off the the next signing that they're trying to do, um, again, I, <laughs> that 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 to me would be okay. It's obvious it's a four-two-three-one moving forward, but um, it, it's just again the strongest team that Minnesota have had by a country mile, and with this sort of roster. It does. It does mean that expectations will be there, and I think Adrian um, was a little unfortunate with him saying a few weeks ago that that he thought that to, to view the season as a success, probably have to go and win something. That was just before it was announced the Open Cup wasn't going to happen because I think that would have been a really, really significant target for them, um, and a realistic target for them as well. Now. Um, all right, it may it may come back. It may happen later on in the year, but but all signs are suggesting that it probably won't, which is a real shame. Um, but that that statement still still carries forward. I think, Steve. I'm not suggesting that Minnesota have to go and win MLS Cup to view it as a successful season, um, because everybody else has strengthened as well. But mm-hmm. I think it's a real shame that the Open Cup isn't a possibility because I think I think that's probably what Adrian Heath was was talking about is that that's what we want to go and win is the Open Cup and get some silverware in the locker. So um, we'll wait and see. But but either way, times are changing for Minnesota United. This is the strongest roster they've ever had, um, and I think now um, no excuses. That this is this is beyond a playoff team now, Steve. This this is a team that should really be top three, top four in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, especially as we were talking about, I mean, obviously, obviously adding Unu and then other possibilities being added down down the line, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, the thing that sort of got me thinking about is how, you know, I think looking at um, soccer in particular, maybe more so than a lot of sports, I feel like it really demands um, – a certain threshold of overall quality sort of across the team be reached so that the team can sort of grow from there. Like it's sort of, to me, it's like a, it's like, it's like a curve, you know, because it, uh, because of everybody having to both attack and defend, especially if you're, if you're really good, you want to be attacked, you want to be defending from that, that front position from the forward position back, you know, like if you can get up to a certain level, then you can get a lot, like a lot of those guys can suddenly look a lot better once everything drops in. The thing I was thinking of is, you know, the extent to which Reynoso coming in last season uh, unlocked a lot of Kevin Molino's game, I think really made his, I mean, they, they, they complimented each other and they, they, they helped each other in that way. But, you know, Molino had sort of been, he was being asked to both uh, pull the strings and be a finisher. Uh, but with Reynoso, he could sort of fo- focus a little more on sort of attacking, being running in behind, playing off of him. And then now without Molino right now, the way the team is set up, we're sort of seeing Reynoso get mobbed by defenders because there isn't some other guy. There's not that 1A guy right now um, who, who can take some of that attention away. And so it's sort of like you need, you need a certain um, threshold. I can't remember the, the critical mass. That was the word I was thinking of. A critical mass of like, 
talent sort of front to back. And then like, once you reach that, then you can really build off of that. I think that's what you really saw last season down the stretch with that attacking four, you know, sort of once they were all hitting, it was like, they multiplied each other's abilities and it, and it made for some really fun, fun soccer. So I'm hoping that the addition of Unu and, and, and other additions that are, that are, that are coming down the line, that that is, I mean, I think you're right. It's the most talented team, but like, as those things mesh, it just, it sort of suddenly you're like, Oh, it seems looks really good, which let's be honest has not looked great so far. I think they've looked fine, Steve. It's just right. looked- okay. Results. I should say, I should say, I, I was going to get into this as well. You're right. Moment to moment fine except for the moments when something really bad happened but but it's not quite there yet (laughs) yeah yeah and look it so far um it's it's been it's been an opening portion of the season that's been full of frustration um and i get it i understand it 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 would there were so many similarities from this rsl game um to the seattle game to open the, the season um and and again i think minnesota did just about everything they could I think if there is a fit and ready Ramon Avila on the field, I think Minnesota win that game comfortably because, um, in, as I've said before, Steve, in those tight spaces, where if you go back and look at the game, a lot of those chances came from, from inside the box. Um, and I, I know a handful came from outside of it, but the majority came from, from inside the 18-yard box, and that's where Avila thrives. Um, Minnesota were able to, to get the ball up the field quite efficiently, um, without having, um, you know, obviously Agudelo played up front, but but I, I don't think um, he allowed them to to play um, a high press a little more naturally, but but he wasn't as effective as I as I expected. Um, and, and look, it, it's fine. It's it's his first game, getting used to things. You know, I understand it's early in the season, but I think um, uh, a fit and um, if Minnesota had the best version of Ramon Avila on Saturday. I think they win that RSL game quite comfortably. That wasn't the case. Um, and Minnesota have to move on. Again, I think individual errors have cost them. No problem saying. I thought Chase Gasper had a, had a torrid time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Homa uh, Metanir uh, covered himself in glory either. Um, I think Yuka Reitala looked a little shaky from time to time. I, I thought for the most part he was okay, but um, it, it just wasn't a great uh, defensive display. And, and, the, the unit themselves, I thought, were okay overall, but it was defensive errors and individual errors that, that cost the team a game. Um, and for, for Real Salt Lake to break the way they did in the, in, in the first goal, I, I thought was um, I, I thought it was inexcusable. You, you, you can't be that discombobulated to allow a team like that to break in the way that they did. Um, so, you know, uh, as I said, I've, I've not seen every day in, in training yet, Steve, but I would assume they've worked on that and shape and structure. Um, because that that can't happen again, and and for the second one, it, it's it's a moment where um, Chase Gasper gets caught in two minds, tries to tow it back into the, the centre half partner. Uh, he and and, and, and the are not on the same wavelength, and obviously it, it feeds it to uh, Rubin, um, who squares it over to uh, to Anderson Julio, uh, who had quite uh, quite an MLS debut. So. Um, just individual mistakes right now are what are costing Minnesota United. Um, but ultimately, Stephen, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, I'm not being a homer. People know me by now. That's not how I how I operate. Um, I think it's okay. I think it's fine. There have been plenty of signs to suggest that Minnesota will be okay. They're creating chances. What was it? 23 shots against Real Salt Lake. Chances are being created. They just need the players that they've brought in now to get fit, get ready, get sharp, 
once they are, I see no problem for Minnesota. Yeah, I think that uh, that's all fair. I think that, uh, you know, uh, talking about that, that depth thing, there is a couple of places where those injuries, uh, again, already right now are kind of hitting in this very like acute way, like not a very general way. It's just one of those things where you would think that, you know, a, you know, the Ico situation is still unresolved. So you have a center back on the roster. Who's not playing Coleman did not cover himself in glory to borrow your term in, in the opener. And so you were looking for other options. Um, so Yuka Raitala came in. If, if you had Debasi, you'd probably start looking at Raitala at left back right now, based on Chase Gasper's, um, you know, performance and, and what else you could maybe get out of that position, but you don't have that. You need Yuka for that center back position right now. You know, like there hasn't been a lot of production from, from the forward position yet. Like I thought Juan Agadello was, was fine. Um, you know, maybe not, uh, but didn't deliver everything you needed, which puts more pressure on the wingers, which means there's more pressure on them going forward, which means they can let off going back. You know, there's, it's just, again, it's one of those things where like all the pieces interlocking sometimes like right now it's not quite happening. I think that if you, we've talked about expected goals before on this uh, podcast and uh, you know, it's one of those things that is basically trying to measure those chances, essentially. Like when you're looking at any shot a, a, a player is taking, how good of a chance is it that it goes in and are they making those chances? If you look at those things for the last couple of games, again, this is a small sample size, but the expected goals in the opener were 2.52 for the Sounders and 1.02 uh, for Minnesota. So you're, it really, it's a little more like a, a three to one or two to one game based on the quality of chances that were being taken. We saw that, you know, going down two goals, you start throwing guys forward, you start giving up chances. That's how it turns into a four nil game against RSL. Um, expected goals from Minnesota was 1.82 and 1.51 for RSL. So a lot closer to like a two, two game or a two, one game, maybe even in the loons favor based on that. Again, it's like there's chances they're not being finished. RSL didn't really mess anything up. Minnesota messed a couple things up and paid dearly for it. You know, it's like those mistakes were, were colossal and they, and they paid for them. RSL didn't really have to be spectacular. They, they could waste time once they were in the lead. They could, they could sort of roll around on the ground. <coughs> um, and then, you know, like that, that's, all, that's all she wrote there. So, again, I would agree with you. I don't think there's it's, – it's not, it's not panic. It's not panic time. It's not time to hit the panic button at all. No, we're two games in, Steve. You know, it, it, it's fine. It's okay. But it's interesting you, you bring up right or left back. I was thinking about this last night um, because, yeah, look, the first two games, Chase Gasper has not delivered at the level we, we know he can. Uh, and I'm sure he will admit that as well. Um, but I, I wonder um, if Minnesota were to play, you could write a left back. Um, it would be an option. And I could, could see it being okay. But I, I think. Um, with the way that Adrian operates on, on the fullbacks, I'm not sure I could see Reitler getting up and down as yeah. quickly as, as would need be. Um, thus meaning, I think a lot of the, the pressure would, would fall on, on Metinier's shoulders. Um, I think that makes Minnesota too predictable then, just, just having to go down one side, you know. They could do it, they could pull it off, I'm sure, but um, I think it makes Minnesota too predictable. So I'm sure at some stage, you know, for example, if there is an injury to the left back, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Reitler slots in there at some stage but I just I, I don't think it's the best version of Minnesota um if, if that ever happens yeah I was I did less tactically I was thinking of it more from the perspective of you want to make sure nobody's too comfy in their position sure, and sure. so to, to be able to say like hey we're gonna go with this guy this game you know like and then it, it's motivation right it's, it's sort of like making sure everybody's you know and again Chase is one of those guys that hardly needs he's always going 100 miles an hour so um you know and again I think he's going to get right it's just it, it, he didn't have a great game that's okay um 
I think, all right, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. I'm going to leave that there. We're going to move on. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. All right, let's just spend the last uh, little bit here. I want to talk a little bit about Austin FC, which is interesting. I had to work up uh, First Touches, which is um, it's an article we published. It goes into the game notes uh, in terms of matchup quick facts, like the historical matchup between two teams. There's no history. Like, uh, I don't, you know, it's like I'm looking at the records of, you know, like I can look at the players on Austin FC and what they've done against Minnesota United. But like no we haven't played austin before so it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting time i love those uh those jerseys i really like the black and green um i like austin as a city uh it's the barbecue is incredible i know i've talked about it before on this show so um so i i'm i'm in for austin let's talk a little bit about um well first of all have you have you gotten to watch much of austin so far uh beyond sort of packages or highlights or or like what's come out of the game so far did you get to actually check out any of the games yeah, I um I, I watched uh on uh what day was today? Wednesday. Monday Monday afternoon I, I watched back their, their game against Colorado and it uh, it was exactly what I what I expected. It's exactly what I expect to see uh at Allianz Field on Saturday as well, Steve. I think they're going to be a fluid pressing counter attacking team um that will probably be a little more direct than than the attacking players will want. Um, but I expect a really difficult challenge, Steve. I, I think the fact that this is an expansion team, just, just remove that immediately. I don't think this is built like an expansion team. Mm-hmm. I think they have frailties defensively that Minnesota can, can get at for sure. Um, ben Sweat, the left-back, has just done his ACL, so he'll, he obviously won't be available. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, in terms of what they what they do and who they bring in, um, Kolmanich, you, you would assume the... Eastern European left back would, would more than likely deputise. Um, but um, I'm interested just to see in terms of individuals, Steve, who starts for them because um, I would be surprised if they made any wholesale changes by the injury um, just because they, they look so organised. They, they looked quite um, they look quite intuitive. They, they look quite disciplined away on the roads um, with the 4-3-3 that they've gone with. Um, the, the only major one for me, Steve, is that um, do they make room for, for Thomas Pochettino, um, who was a late scratch, was, was due to, to start in Colorado, but there was a registration issue of some sort, which um, I was told they're trying to figure out as quickly as they can. Uh, because he, 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 from an attacking point of view, Steve, he's the star. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really top player, as well as Cecilio Dominguez. We, we can't brush him aside. He's a really good player. I, I've been a big fan of, of him since his Club America days. He was on loan at Guarani um, Paraguay last year. He's a good player. Um, and this is where what I'm, what I'm talking about when I say they're a counter-attacking team and I expect them to be high-pressing because of him, basically. And um, Danny Houston, I'm assuming, will start at top as well. He, he will press the Loon's back line. Um, so the fact they're an expansion team, Steve, <laughs> I, as I said, I, I would push that aside straight away. I think this is going to be a much more difficult task than, than people would originally assume when you mention expansion team. I think they're quite well-coached. Um, they, they're, they're organized. Um, I'm just intrigued to see, you know, and, and I say this with all due respect, Steve, you know, going away to Colorado as opposed to going away to Minnesota, uh, they're two very different challenges. 
So I wonder, is is Josh Wolf, the head coach of Austin FC, going to come to Allianz Field and sit a little deeper? Um, or are they going to go for it? Are they going to pick their moments to, to go for it, as they did against Colorado? So I don't know, Steve. I'm, I'm very interested. As I said, the biggest question for me is whether or not Thomas Pochettino will start. Um, the rest of them, I, I expect it to be fairly similar. So they've got a good team, Steve. They, they, this, <laughs> let's let's just admit this is going to be a very difficult task for Minnesota United. Yeah, absolutely, Cal. There's not a obviously Pochettino changes the equation a lot for them. Not a huge fall off to Diego Fagundes though, who had quite a good game. Uh, you know, he's an experienced vet. He knows he knows the ins and outs. He knows what's to, what to do. That lack of experience is really that's one of those things that. Losing Ben Sweat is tough. Um, you know, Kalmanich uh, has seemed good, but he's also, I think he's 21 uh, or something yeah. like that. And uh, some other other defenders, Matt, Matt uh, Beasler uh, is um, 34. Uh, he was not in the game. I think his wife was having a child, perhaps, and he didn't play. But, like, I don't know if he's back with the team or what the story is. But, like, leaning on – there's sort of, again, I'm all about thresholds and critical masses this week. But, like, you know, you sort of need a, a, a threshold of experience in that defensive back line to just sort of be able to, like, hold it together. And if you sort of lose something there, it can be really bad. They seemed – you know, vulnerable on set pieces, which seems like a trend with with expansion sides. Um, it, it always seems to be the case, even with good teams, that sometimes the the set piece defense is tough. My here's my theory. My theory is that like you can't you can't really feel your way into set piece defense the way you can in the run of play. Like I think that a set piece defense is really like all the guys know each other and they know where they're supposed to be. And it's a, a minute where everybody has to do the right thing at the same time. And in terms of the run of play defensively, you know, a guy can just work his butt off and get back there. Uh, there's sort of, uh, you can cover for guys, things like that. It's sort of feel, like set piece defense is one of those things that always seems to dog expansion teams for some reason, Cal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of it comes down to organization, Steve. Um, I, I put out yesterday, I was watching Toronto FC in the champions league. Um, I thought it was one of the one of the most awful um, uh, performances from a set piece point of view I've, I've ever seen. And uh, one or two people chirped back and said, "Well, what about Cincinnati?" I said, "Yeah, I know Cincinnati and New York City weren't, weren't great from a defensive point of view either, but um, I just thought Toronto were, were dreadful." And, and um, the Cruisers all didn't score from every every set piece, but that doesn't mean that Toronto weren't unorganised. And, and I thought I thought they were they were so bad to do because. A lot of it came from this zonal marking thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I understand zonal marking from, from time to time in certain situations, but, but not when you're defending a set piece. I, you tell me this, Steve, when was the last time you saw a zone score a goal? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just don't get it. I, I don't understand it. So, um, you know, I, I, I agree with your theory that, yeah, set pieces can be an issue for, for expansion teams for sure. But if you catch a team on an off day, it can be a problem for just about any team in, in yeah. world football. And um, especially if you if you rattled them early doors as well. Like I said, I think Toronto got um, got smashed by, by Cruisers all last night in, in the Champions League. And uh, it's a steep mountain for them to climb now. But, um, you know, look, I mean, Minnesota, I, I, I think um, set pieces have, have been a... I think they've, they've been okay for them, um, particularly last year. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, in 2019, they, they had the presence of Opara to, to push in there. Michael Boxall was a bit of a pest as well um, when he went forwards. Um, so, yeah, no, no doubt Minnesota have, have options and are a threat from set pieces. Um, but, but I think Minnesota, I think both teams, Steve, on, on Saturday will look to 
to press and, and look to counter. Um, I, I, here's the one thing I, I, I am expecting on Saturday, Steve. I am really expecting it to be end-to-end and really thoroughly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, is that will Austin come in and sit a little deeper for the opening 30 minutes and look to frustrate and maybe even dictate with Alex Ring dropping a little deeper? Or will they go for it? And will it be end-to-end throughout the 90 and all of us will be extremely entertained. So I, I don't know, Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued with this one because I, I would go as far as saying probably for the first time in a long time, Austin FC um, are, are one of the more intriguing expansion teams coming into the league because they've invested quite well. Not invested as much as they could. Huh? They, they, they could have spent a lot more money, Steve, but mm-hmm. I, I think they're just settling in and they're just waiting to see what's perhaps available in the summer, to my knowledge. Um, but I, I, I think they're a good team, Steve, and, and I, I, I'm really, really thinking this is going to be nowhere near as, as easy as, as Minnesota fans may very well think, just because of the, the tag of, of expansion team. Yeah, for sure. And all their all their goals against Colorado, uh, you know, in the second half came in in transition or off turnovers, you know, as you said, Cal. And that's got to be, you know, worrying for Minnesota based on how the team has performed uh, in the first two games. Just, you know, like they've get that's those scrambles have been sort of where they've made those mistakes uh, and not been able to contain counterattacks. So um, it. On the other side, I think that like if you're if you're a player, you're like, well, I want to step up to that challenge. Uh, you want to try to fix those problems, and this is a chance to do that because this is going to be a team that's going to uh, counter you. So it's going to be fun. Um, I, I mean, I think that I think that like you said, it, it's it's likely to be a, an, an end-to-end game, um, and and that's always more fun to watch than when they're just stuck in the middle. I hate those games. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. I'm just <laughs> you probably said there it's. It's all about the transition for me, for, for both teams. And um, I just wonder who's going to be brave enough. Um, I think that's what it'll come down to, particularly in the opening sort of 20, 30 minutes. Who's brave enough to, to press high? Who, who's going to expose themselves a little bit, you know? Um, so I, I, as I said, Steve, several times now, I'm, I'm just excited. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Um, but, but the one thing is for sure, whoever starts up front for Minnesota has to put the chances away. Um, and... You know, from a lineup perspective, Steve, I don't know what, what, what to expect from Minnesota now. I mean, I didn't think Jan Gregus was particularly great against RSL. Do we see Hassani Dotson come in to, to the 11? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder, will uh, Robin Lurd move to the, to the right-hand side? Um, again, um, I don't expect it, it, that to change. Lurd and, and, and Finlay either, either side of Reynoso. Um, you know, we have to wait and see in, in terms of, you know, how fit Raman Avila is. Um, because if he's not he's not fit from the start, then then obviously Agudelo, we're assuming Agudelo will start. That seems to be on paper the obvious choice. Um, but if that's the case, then Agudelo knows when these chances come his way that he has to put the chances away. And the rest can be said for everybody else as well. I'm, I'm not putting blame on Agudelo at all mm-hmm. because he, he didn't have, I don't remember him having any clear-cut chances uh, against RSL. Um, but there were real chances for, for the players that were around him, in particular Robin Lord and Ethan Finlay. So Minnesota have to, to start putting these chances away, Steve, because um, in, in this league, now it's becoming a league where, uh, as, as we fully saw on, on Saturday and, and arguably against the Sounders as well, if you don't put your chances away, you will be punished. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us for the 140th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entrus. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are.